Happy Mother's Day! Ooh, Emma? Thank you. Navy is the absolute cutest. We appreciate you, Emma, and all the mothers out there, all the amazing women that are doing amazing things. Yes. We want to inspire you to take your first steps into our life-giving local church and discover the community and support you've been searching for. Come join us for one of our services at Mayo High School at either 9.15 or 10.45 a.m. on Sundays. We can't wait to meet you and welcome you to our family at Echo Church. Our hope is that Echo will become your place where you feel a true sense of belonging, your people, where you find friendships and support, and your purpose, where you discover and fulfill your unique calling. We believe that's what we're all searching for, and we're excited to share that with you. Yes, we are. And as always, check out the Echo Weekly email for how to sign up or to find out more information about what's going on. Your ongoing generosity is deeply appreciated. We believe that giving extends beyond finances. It is an act of worship and a transformative force for change. As we conclude today's service, we ask you to pause and seek God's guidance on how your giving can make a meaningful impact. Will you join us in this journey of faith and generosity? You can donate by heading to our website or simply Venmo us at We Are The Echo Church. Enjoy the rest of Echo Online service. Now I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh, how he loves me I've got a friend And he is my strength And he is my portion With me in the valley With me in the fire Oh
ever felt alone, you are not. He is right there with you. He's right there with you now, and he's right there when you need him. We just open our hearts to him. God, we're so grateful that you are with us, that you are for us, God. All right. All right. Echo, we are so excited to be here. Uh, we are Scott and Jamie, and we have a fun story to tell you. So Jamie, in our family, and maybe you guys have somebody like this, we have somebody in our family who comes up with the best ideas for the most fun. Now, in reality, she usually doesn't have the most fun on the best ideas, but she definitely comes up with them. So Jamie, last summer, you came up with an idea for us. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about that idea? Well, all our friends were going camping over the 4th of July week, and I didn't want to miss out. Like, I, I don't always have FOMO, but sometimes I do. I was fine missing I out do. for the record. So I, didn't, I, didn't, I had FOMO. I was like, I, I want to go. But I do not sleep in tents. I'm too old for that. I have tried it. It doesn't work for me. Um, and let me just preface all this with the land has no running water, so there are no facilities to use. There's no, no showers and no electricity, okay? This is not my kind of camping. My kind of camping is like... Give me the Airstream that um, Joanna Gaines redid with, like, marble inside of it. That is the kind of camping I want to do, okay? Um, so anyways, we're going camping, and, but we're going to rent an RV because that will solve all my problems. So RV is funny. Uh, we have a friend named Mike Quimby, and he, so he goes to church here. And So Mike found out that we were doing that, and he goes, you know what RV stands for, right? And we're like, I don't know, recreational vehicle? I think that's what it is actually, right? And he goes, no. He goes, no, it's a ruined vacation. And I was like, oh, Mike, don't you worry. This we is a nice, to prove him this wrong. This is a nice RV. It's going to be perfect. It's like the drive one. Do you call, are they all called RVs? Like even the pull behinds or did the drive ones just called RVs? Okay, there's like, okay. So just the drive ones are RVs. So this is what it was. Uh, it was a drive one. So Jamie, let's talk about our experience with the RV. So basically, if something could go wrong, it did. Like, you need to have something to plug that thing into. We didn't have something to plug that. But we had a generator, so I felt very prepared. Well, and the people came to our house, and they were like, hey, you just flip this switch and turn this thing and do this dial. And it was like 20 minutes later, of like, oh, you just do this and you just do this. And I, they kept talking about how easy it was, and I just completely naively believed them. So we got there. We settled in. Uh, so the, we, uh, our intention, I think, was to stay for five nights, and we had rented this RV, which, by the way, Rental RVs are expensive. Like, it was an expensive endeavor. So uh, we get up there, and I figure out enough of the knobs and switches to hit for night one that we sort of make it through. It's good. You know, all's good. Jamie, what happened uh, night two? So we wake up in the morning, and our... Wait, wait, wait. When you say morning, let's use, like, a specific time. I don't... It was, like... Four. Probably, yeah. Four a.m. So technically the morning, but We've four a.m. Something's beeping, telling us that something's wrong. We don't know what's beeping, and we don't know what's wrong. And then... Um, so I start the generator, because that's what I think you're supposed to do. So I start the generator, and, and I go back to sleep. back to sleep. And then I what don't happened? go back to sleep. I smell generator fumes, and I think we're all going to die. Yep, carbon monoxide just <laughs> fill in the vehicle. Uh, so... Uh, that can, so we get up a couple hours later and like everything in the RV is dead. Like nothing works. We have broke this thing. 
and it's we have um, a full fridge of food. Talking about expensive, which for fortunately three the, teenagers it runs though. off of like natural gas sometimes. And other so fortunately the food was good. Uh, but we had this awning out and these jacks down and all this stuff, and I can't get any of it to turn on. Like the vehicles just so I call the like the rental company and I was like, hey, we're having trouble with this thing. Can you guys come out and help us? And they said, you know, uh, it's 4th of July weekend. It's probably going to be like four or five days till we can get out there. Sweet. Lovely. Lovely. So what they did is they gave me some tips. And they're like, hey, if you try this thing and this thing. And so like the third thing they told me to do was, I don't know, I think we just left the RV run for a really long time. It got enough juice for the generators to turn back on and then we could close the awning. So we got everything figured out. The problem is we are set to be there for three more nights. Uh, so Jamie, what did we decide to do then? We left. I was not doing that another night. My anxiety got the best of me. I was done. So we, uh, we decided, so it's raining. Jamie, tell us about maybe a fear you had when the rain started coming. So this is the difference here, and this is what we're talking about today. Scott has, doesn't really deal with anxiety on a large scale. I, on the other hand, have worst case scenario imprinted in my brain for everything we do. So I'm like, okay, we're going to be stuck on this land for the next week. We have no running water, so I'm not going to shower. Like I'm like worst case. scenario, And then it gets worse. Like, um, we are, we're, so it's raining. So we're trying to go down this hill, which is pure mud and down the hill at the bottom, there is a road and then it goes into the woods and then the, from the woods, there's, it's a small bit of woods and then it's the lake. And so I'm like, we are gonna drive out of here in the pouring down rain, we're gonna slide right down the hill, we're gonna go through the woods and the RV's gonna end up in the lake and we're all going to die. Like that is where I go every time. So what we decided to do is what we should have done in the first place, which is we went to Maple Grove and got a hotel room and went to a good restaurant. Amen, right? I took a shower. New woman. I was a new woman. All right. So we are, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety, but we have a disclaimer we want to get out there. Yes, we are not doctors. Um, I like to play one on TV. There's a joke right now. Andy's leg is hurt and I diagnosed him a week ago. So feeling very like proud of that. It's like the second or third time she pulled some like random diagnosis from nowhere. Yep. And so I'm feeling like a doctor, but I am not a doctor. I have no credentials. Um, Our goal is to speak to you on the spiritual side of mental health and specifically anxiety. And one of the things when Jamie says we're not doctors, uh, Jamie is on her way and has done a lot of school and a lot of things and is actually starting next school. So she has a lot of experience in this area and is growing and that kind of stuff. But we just want you to know we're coming to this from a... uh, from like a normal person point of view, right? Like we're just, we're just lay people. Um, we don't have it all figured out, but the other thing I want to make super clear is if you in the room don't deal with anxiety on a significant level, which there's some of us in the room that don't, and fortunately we don't, I guarantee that people in your immediate circle do. And so today is an opportunity for you to maybe be a little bit more of the support for the person that does. Yep. All right, so there's two types of anxiety. I don't know if you knew this, uh, but I want to preface a couple things. Anxiety is not a sin, it's actually an alarm. Everyone is different. Anxiety is expressed in our lives in a couple different ways. The first way is circumstantial. So I deal with circumstantial anxiety. So uh, if there's a big project at do a big project at work due, or if there's like something we're working on at church and it took a lot of hours, or there's just these different things going on, or stuff going on with the kids, like I will deal with anxiety, but it's always kind of in the foreground. It's always functional. It's always pretty obvious where it came from. It's always just kind of in front of me. It's just, oh, because of this, now it's this. And everyone deals with that. Everyone. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. 
All right, well, I'm going to read a verse. 2 Corinthians, we'll get that up there here. 12, 7 through 10. Even though I have re- received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We wanted to use this verse, this chunk of verses really specifically. Paul is, I mean, except for Jesus, Paul's the most important in the New Testament church. And he's making it super clear that he is dealing with something that he prayed lots of times for it to go away and it turned out it didn't go away. And I just want to, we're going to use that as the background as we launch into the next type of anxiety, which is chronic anxiety. It's in the background. It's more anticipatory. It's learned. Uh, It's usually a remnant from like childhood trauma. Uh, and that's, uh, that's most of the time where that comes from. And then we're going to put a quote up here. Bessel A. Vanderkolk. He wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score. As long as you keep secrets and suppress information, you are fundamentally at war with yourself. Hiding your core feelings takes an enormous amount of energy. Meanwhile, stress hormones keep flooding your body. Only after you identify the source of these responses can you start using your feelings as signals or alarms of problems that require your urgent attention. When someone, you want to tell the next story? No, I can do that, yeah. So um, we moved to Arizona like eight or nine years ago or something like that. And uh, one of the things you do when you've grown up in Minnesota and lived your whole life is the first time you do family photos, you go do it in the desert, right? It totally makes sense. Um, And so we hired a photographer that I think went to our church. And so what we'd do is we'd park at some random spot and then hike, I don't know, forever to the spot that was right for, for these photos at the right time of day and all that stuff. And you guys that take pictures totally understand that and it just goes right over my head. Can I tell you something, like just a really transparent moment? Circumstantial anxiety for me was never higher than family photo day. It's the day I looked forward to the least of the entire year. Like I hated family photo day because my kids were gonna be nuts. They, they were gonna hate it. Jamie was already stressed to start with. It just, ah man, family photo day. So what we did is we wander through all this. Well, we're new to Arizona. We have no idea. And so I look over and I watch my son do this thing. And I just, I can still picture it. He's like five or six or whatever. And I see him going like this. And his finger's getting closer and closer to this thing and he touches it. Well, what it's called is it's called a jumping choya. And what I want you to think about is like this cactus is like this, okay? And it's just, just kind of a little ball. And by the way, a lot of cactuses look cool to touch. I totally understand what he was doing. But the problem is the second you touch it, it goes like this. Like it just, these things shoot out. So I look over to my son's hand and I see all these like thorn balls sticking into his hand and it's starting to bleed. And so I'm like the dad. So the first thing I do is I go over there and I'm like, Nix, it's okay. And I go like this and I swat at him and I get them all out of his hand and all into my hand. So they were like barely touching his hands and now they're like embedded in mine. And so uh, Nixon's hands bleeding over there and I'm start pulling out these stupid things one by one. They're barbed on the end. Yeah, they're barbed. Just for a visual. It's, blood is everywhere. For the record, every plant in the desert is trying to kill you. Like that's actually its goal. So we pull out all these thorns. We pull out all these things. So we take family photos, which is already like basically my least favorite day. 
And now Nixon's got a bloody hand and I've got a bloody hand. And that's like the first and maybe only experience I hope I ever have with thorns. Thorn in the flesh. All right. Um, So I struggle with chronic anxiety and that's something that runs in my family. Um, It's rampant in my family. Both my parents, um, their parents, uh, most of my extended family has some degree of chronic anxiety. And so when you, um, I think the one thing that I I really want to point out is that um, when someone you love suffers, you suffer too. And so my life, um, my growing up years, there was a lot of suffering. And um, Scott has suffered and my kids have suffered because of the anxiety that I have. And so um, I've been on a journey the last two years. I have been studying um, with the Allender Center uh, story work, and I've done very intense story therapy, and um, I've just been diving deep into my own past and uncovering the things that I had kept hidden inside for so long. And it has transformed the way that I see the world. It, I have received so much healing, and my anxiety has become much more manageable, manageable but it hasn't gone completely away. Nor do I believe, barring a miracle or um, healing by God, that it, it will. And so I think the, the story of Nixon putting his hand in the cactus and having literally like 50 thorns in his hand versus the one thorn that Paul talks about, the thorn in his flesh, that's kind of the, the visual picture that I have. I used to have all these thorns and it was like so painful and then now I have a thorn that I carry around that will probably be with me and it's something that I still um, work on and I'll always work on but um, but there's just been like a, a release of pressure in my life. Revelation 21 4 and 5 he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And and then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So I want to point out this idea. So the Bible starts with Genesis. It's the very first book, and it's creation and a lot of other stuff. And then Revelation is kind of like the end and the beginning of new stuff. And they're the bookends of the Bible. And a lot of things in the Bible are not chronological, but the idea of these two is. So... Since Genesis 3, or the third chapter in the book of the Bible, or the first book in the Bible, we have dealt with anxiety. We have dealt with mental health challenges. That has been part of the deal. And it will be part of the deal until the day that Jesus comes back and wipes away every tear. This is part of our lives. One of our hopes today is that we can tear down the stigma on mental health, that we can tear down the stigma on anxiety. Um, We're going to talk about some other pieces coming up, uh, but to me, it's just, there's just so much you already feel when you're struggling with these things that we don't need to make it worse as a community, if that makes sense. Um, So I read a book, my buddy Cordy, who led worship today, uh, had turned me on to a book called Tribe. And there's this guy named Sebastian Younger who wrote it. He's a war correspondent. And he went uh, for the news and he went over and he wrote this really incredible book. But I took these pieces out of this. So I want to just read this to you. Uh, Kirk, don't feel bad. It's not on the screen. Um, As affluence and urbanization rise in a society, rates of mental health issues tend to go up rather than down. 
People in wealthy countries suffer from breakdowns in mental health at as much as eight times the rate they do in poorer countries. The mechanism seems simple. Poor people are forced to share their time and resources more than wealthy people are, and as a result, they live in closer community. That's so good. Just because this might be a lifelong struggle, just like the thorn that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians, doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue healing and ways to manage anxiety in healthy ways. There are countless ways to do this, and a few that we just want to share. Finding a counselor. We go to counseling. Scott and I do two hours of therapy, of marriage therapy. Um, every it's intense therapy. I'm just throwing that out there. It's really serious. Like it's, it's heavy. Like sometimes therapy is heavy. We go to some pretty heavy stuff. It's a lot. Yep. And I've been doing my own personal intensive therapy. And then um, if that's too much of that, if you don't need that, then finding a life coach or a mentor, someone who's a few years ahead of you on the journey. Going to a doctor and talking about medication. Christy shared her journey with medication yes, last week. And yes. I think that's so powerful. If you need medication, I mean, we go to the doctor all the time for medical ailments. Why wouldn't we go for our mental health, too? That's right. God um, created doctors, too. Come on, people. Yeah. And then making necessary health changes, like cleaning up your diet, getting outside. There's been, we've been on a journey ourselves of, of, of just being healthy in, in all areas. I just want to say for you that if there's anybody out there that's trying to get healthy, like I, uh, I try to do, like, I started this, like trying to get healthier, especially this year. So in January, I was very focused on this. And I wanted to be on the, like, eat lettuce for two weeks and then everything's good plan. Turns out that plan doesn't exist. And so I started reading, like, some blogs and some processes, and I'm trying to do these different things. And I probably didn't start at the best spot, so I'm trying to get to... But the thing that I'm so fascinated by is they start talking about the years of this journey. And you want to know what I don't want to do? Years of this journey. But in reality, it is a journey. And why wouldn't we want to take the time and the effort to do those things? Uh, one big thing in all of these areas that we want to stress is all of them are God created. God created doctors. God created medications. Let's not, let's not stiff arm these things away because of the stigma that's there. Let's be a church and a community that's willing to embrace the options that are out there. And the only challenge we'd give you when it comes to finding a counselor or a mentor or a life coach or things like that is find somebody who loves Jesus because the messaging will just be different. Find somebody that loves and follows God. Yeah, in this place, Echo Church is a place where mental health matters, and it will always be part of the conversation. It's something that you're going to hear us say over and over again, because this is affecting our everyday lives. Um, I have another quote by Bessel A. van der Kolk. His heart, his name is hard to say. Um, <laughs> being able to feel safe with other people is probably the single most important aspect of mental health. Safe connections are fundamental to meaningful and satisfying lives. So the very first church, like when Jesus, he comes, he does all these really cool things, and the, the church gets launched at the end of, of Acts chapter 2. And the very end of Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, 42 through 47, basically says what the church is supposed to do. And it's a really good foundational piece. And it's like they broke bread together and basically had meals. They had small groups together. They served together. They studied the Bible together. They loved one another. But there's this part that just absolutely hit me like a ton of bricks yesterday. The very first church of Jesus, they had everything in common is a, a regular uh, part of that, that five-verse piece. And it didn't occur to me till yesterday that they had everything in common, not just the good things. Like when I read this, I'm like, oh yeah, and it, it talks about how they like sell things to help other people. Like it only lists off the good things. But when it says they had everything in common, they had everything in common. Now I want to encourage you guys in something. 
I, I believe that, I believe it's always been tough to be a human. I believe it's always been, a, the world has always been tough, but I'm not positive there's ever been a tougher moment than right now. So what I'm wondering is, what about if we became people, or better yet, let me ask this a different way. If we aren't asking the people that we love and care about how they're doing and then holding space for them to give us an answer, who will? And I want you to think about this for a second because one of the things we do, and maybe this is a Minnesota thing, I always thought it was, but when, I, when somebody says, like, if you say, how are you doing on Sunday morning when there's 20 people around, what I hear you saying is hi. And I say hi back, basically. I might say, good, how are you doing? And we're gonna say good. But what if instead... What if I take time and I'm like, Freddie, buddy, outside of this room or, or outside people, or I call you and I say, Freddie, buddy, let me know, like, how are things really going? How is school going right now? How is the stress of work and school and all the things going on with your family? Like, and, and then hold space and be ready for you to give me an answer. That is real community. And that's going to mean more to you and I than if we, you know, I, I, guys are guilty of this all the time, but we just, I don't know, we'll talk about sports, we'll talk about something superficial, and we don't get into the deeper stuff, sometimes because we're afraid, sometimes because it's time. But man, how powerful could that be for you and I, Freddie? Yeah. Now, the hardest part about community, though, is it looks different for everybody. So we're going to give you some steps or some ideas or some places to go get it. One is join a table community. Now, I feel like I've been on like a table community kick for like three months. I feel like every time I close service, I'm talking about table communities. But I really believe, and it's never been more obvious to me, how important it is that we do life together. And you know what's cool about a table community is? You don't get to pick who's in your table community. Now, sometimes that's the thing that isn't as good about your table community, but in, in like the broader sense, you have people in there that are different than you, that have different interests, that are gonna see things a different way. Uh, Echo Culture, which is happening right now down the hall, so you missed it this month, but uh, we'll get you in there in June if you haven't done it already. Find out a little more about the church and where you can get involved. Community happens a lot when we're serving. Do you guys remember the show, The Real World? 35 plusers in the room. Okay, because there's a lot of young people here that have no idea. And on top of it, even if you watch The Real World right now, it wouldn't make sense to you how like groundbreaking it was. Also, my caveat, we're not endorsing the show. True. Do not watch the show. It's terrible. <laughs> But the, they had this opening, and it was like, it, it, it just, I always, this, this clicks in my head a lot. But the last part of this opening always said, find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. Church, what if we decided to stop being polite and stop saying, Freddie, how's it going, in a really superficial way, but instead, we stopped being polite, and I said, Freddie, I know you have a lot on your plate right now. I know there's a lot of stuff going on. How can I be praying for you? What can I do to serve you? What can I, like, I just think there's so much more power when we are willing to go past our politeness and our Minnesota niceness to get to some powerful places. Now, we as a church need to tear down the stigma of all mental health and not just anxiety, depression, and all that comes with that. Uh, part of that book that I read earlier, the, the Sebastian Younger book, Tribe, talks a lot about PTSD and soldiers coming back. There's so much going on. There are some lies that we believe that I want to just, I want to fight against right now. One of the lies that drives me absolutely nuts, and it drives me nuts because it's what I believe a lot of times. It's that I'm the only one. So if Jamie and I are struggling, I believe, I tell myself we're the only ones that struggle like this. Now, one of the things we've made it as a priority in our marriage is that we are the same up here, except for maybe we're just a little more refined here, but we're the same in public that we are in private. We are the same people. So it's possible you've heard us fight in real life. 
Like it's, it's possible that there's a high percentage. But we have always gone out of our way to try to be genuine because we knew how hard our marriage was and we felt like if we were genuine around other people, maybe they'd realize that they weren't in this alone. The lie that I tell myself when things are just, it doesn't really matter what's going on. If I'm struggling with something, I immediately just believe I'm the only one. That is a lie. That is not true. And there's one other challenge. And I want to speak specifically to guys for a second because I think we're really guilty of this one. It's that others have it worse, so my need's not important. We are guilty of putting other people first. Uh, I'll give you an example. This week, uh, I'm in a group like text thread, and we were praying for different things. And like, it was some really heavy stuff. Like, there were some really serious prayer requests. Uh, some of it was tied to some news that was happening and all this stuff. And then in the middle of it, we prayed for a four-year-old that had four stitches. Now, in the grand scheme of the other things that were out there, the four-year-old with stitches was pretty small, but it wasn't small to the dad, and it wasn't small to the four-year-old. And I just feel like sometimes we forget that God is big enough for all our prayers and all our needs, and we don't need to prioritize and be like, oh, they have worse things, let's be praying for them, instead of remembering that God is willing and able to meet us right where we're at. Um, All right, guys, I'm going to try and get through this. This moment gets me. My daughter's in the room. Um, This week, the Lourdes High School community lost two of their own. One was an alumni, Javon Kunkel, and the second was a sophomore, AJ Quimby. In the most utterly devastating way, they both took their own lives. In light of this difficult time, we want to address the teens in the room You are loved. You are here for a purpose. You were created by a God who loves you and who wants to see you thrive. He has great plans for your future. Hope, peace, promise. This life is not going to be easy. But the hard times always give way to the good times again. Your generation is growing into adulthood in unprecedented times. And we love and appreciate each of you for the unique and gifted ways you show up in this world. You were not a mistake. You were made by a God who loves you and has appointed you for greater things than we can imagine. We want, you, we want you to know that we are for you. So good. The rest of the worship team can make their way out here and we'll get kind of ready to end here. I want to say something else, and this is church-wide. Echo is for you. Our church is for you. Our pastors and our leaders are here for you. Uh, when Jamie was talking about teens, for more than 10 years, we led, uh, we led youth ministry. And it was one of the most incredible and powerful and amazing times we've ever spent. Some of my favorite people on planet Earth are teenagers right now. We need you. We encourage you to be the light. I think that's a big responsibility right now. And I want to be a little careful not to burden you with this a ton. But as teenagers, you are the only light that your school might see. It might just be you. You might be the one spot. I want to encourage you to be people that reach out. This is everybody, but especially teenagers. And I think sometimes we feel this extra pressure like we have to reach out to our parents. 
We've enabled and encouraged our kids by introducing them to other trusted adults that we don't have to be the people they come to. Now we wanna be, we're trying to be available, but we also understand that there are times where we're not gonna be the ones. And they have people in their lives like Pastor Isaiah and Lizzie. They have people in their lives like the youth leaders that are making a difference in their, in their lives and, and the leaders of the church. It's not a, bear, a burden for them to carry on their own, but he loves you and he is for you. Now what we're gonna do to end is Jamie's gonna read a prayer over us. And what I'd love for you to do is just bow your head. And while she's reading this prayer, just receive this, receive this, this prayer over you. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a few groups of people on the far left side over by that exit sign. Sorry, I told you by your heads and now I'm telling you to look. Uh, and uh, some groups of people over by this exit sign. We're gonna be here to pray with you. Now, remember what I said earlier about stigma. We are not worried about why you're going forward for prayer. It might be anxiety, it might be a million other things. It doesn't matter. We want you to come forward. There is power in praying together. We'll be over here ready to pray with you. There'll be people over here. Don't, don't miss out on a chance to meet God and see life change today. It doesn't have to wait for tomorrow. It doesn't have to wait for down the road. Let's pursue the one and only God today. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Lord, you know me. You made me, you love me. Meet me where I am in this moment. You knew I'd be here. Do what you want with my churning insides and my spinning mind and my blown up fear. Don't waste a minute of my anxiety. Heal it, use it, change it. Instead of begging for something specific, I give myself to you. What do you want from me and for me? Thank you for understanding me when no one else does and loving me anyway. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
you. If you're thankful for a good, good father, can you just give me a little applause? Give him applause, rather. Give him your praises. Give him your gratitude. He sees you. He loves you. Scott, Jamie, thank you, thank you, thank you for your honesty today. Yes, please give it up for Scott and Jamie. Thank you for your authentic hearts. Thank you for your vulnerability. You know, there's nothing more brave than being vulnerable. So thank you, thank you. And I loved, I loved today's message. I love that message of what can happen when you just take a minute to be truly honest with yourself. It can feel so scary and it can feel so, so big. But if we just remember, if we remember that what God did by sending his son to the cross, that that is just so much bigger and that all we have to do is just take a minute to be honest in order to feel that freedom that was paid for on the cross. Like our song said, he split the sea. He split the sea. All we have to do is walk through it, okay? So he's got you, he sees you, he loves you. And if you're standing here today and you're like, I'm tired, I am tired of fighting. I am tired of fighting this heaviness. I am tired of fighting this worry. I'm tired of fighting this anxiety, this abuse, this depression, whatever it is that is on you that is heavy. Just know that you don't have to do it your way anymore. God is here and he loves you and he sees you. And something we do every single week at Echo is that we recite this prayer, okay? This prayer is a prayer of surrender. And it's just simply saying, Lord, I've tried it my way and it doesn't work. <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna acknowledge you in this moment. I'm gonna give it all to you in this moment because I know that what you have for me is so much greater. So I'm gonna invite you to say this with us. We're gonna say it all together as a church. It's not scary, I swear. You can whisper it softly. It still means the same thing as saying it on a microphone. But we're gonna pray this all together and just take a moment of surrender. Jesus, I surrender. and then just forget everything that just happened in this space, okay? And one of the most important things that was spoken about today was that idea of community, of having someone in your corner that actually knows what's going on, someone that can support you and come alongside of you. So if you need a person, we wanna help you find your people, okay? Whether that be through Echo Culture, through a table community, through serving on a team, whatever it is, be sure to find someone on the prayer team. Be sure to stop at the info booth on your way out. Let us help you. Amen. Have a wonderful week. We love you.